blasting from the spaceship in the sky to the simulation in the mind. Let's all embark on another journey of Conversations on the Fringe. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh. That is Vince Tagliavia with uh, probably my favorite hoodie on ever. Uh, this is the Red Pill Project's Conversations on the Fringe, live with you every Friday night, where we expand the depths of the mind and take the conversation beyond political and economic and social analysis and talk about things that uh, are usually reserved for campfire conversations or two o'clock in the morning, the, the last people at the bar. Uh, piss ass drunk. Uh, at least that's my <laughs> conversation at that time of night. And uh, tonight we're talking about astral travel, as you saw from that great video you just watched right there uh, from Jade Shaw, by the way, jadeshaw.com. She put that together. Uh, awesome teacher out there. And then we're going to be doing a little bit of UFO updates. I'm actually going to start with the UFO updates. And man, that freaking that one light, man, that one light. I just kind of, I'll be moving the studio next week. So it's okay. Oh, really? All yes. Right. Moving the studio next week. It's, uh, It'll uh, be done. It'll be uh, be good. So interesting enough, like to give everybody a little update. I, I recently bought a house and um, it, it was kind of a weird situation because I um, was in the process of purchasing a house when I was still with American Media Periscope. <laughs> and I had like continual monthly revenue coming in and then all of a sudden I don't. And I bought a house and I'm like, damn <laughs> but the cool thing about the house is it's homesteaded oh, so it's a homesteaded property in minnesota which is pretty cool because you get certain tax protections and certain other protections but so it's really cool i'm mm. excited about that it's it's got a little land on it yeah and well <laughs> luckily i can't i don't have to start paying for the mortgage until february so that's a good thing um but yeah so it was uh just been a really hectic last few months for me uh, with uh, with AMP, the radio show, leaving all them, getting, you know, moving on past the past. And um, with anybody who doesn't know the AMP situation, um, no hard feelings against AMP. They are just a company that I will no longer work for. I'll no longer choose to work for. Um, I, they don't align with the values and the integrity that I would hold um, uh, esteemed to myself. And so just 
parted ways. Uh, and it was uh, kind of my decision on that side. But, uh, you know, that's why we're investing everything that we can invest in the Red Pill Project. And we're actually transmuting, I would say, tra not transitioning, we're transmuting the Red Pill Project into a bigger organization known as decentralized media. Uh, so you'll start noticing everywhere that everything's going to come out with kind of new, a little bit new marketing. Every, the Red Pill Project's not going to change. The website's not going to change right now, uh, but everything will kind of start coming, coming out with decentralized media logoing. Um, and then once that platform launches, we'll be on there as well. You can go on there or you can go onto the social Red Pill or you can go onto our website or you can go to our social media. Is Vince frozen? Oh, no. He was just sitting so still. Listening, I thought I, he was frozen. No, I've just astral projected and came back to my body. Oh, Sorry, you must have. But uh, so for everybody out there, we, we actually uh, our email got shut down because of too many spams. And I think what it was, it was just the, the email that we sent out had some logo. Anyways, we'll get that taken care of. Um, but if you see anything coming from decentralized media, just understand that it is us if it's coming with a logo. Um, so I wanted to keep everybody in, in touch with that. Uh, we have some new shows on the platform. Um, so Conversations on the Fringe, this is probably one of the oldest shows that I've been doing uh, live. This is actually the first show that I showed my face on, uh, which was pretty cool. But uh, we have uh, Unrestricted. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> so Unrestricted <laughs> Warfare with James Grunvig, which airs Monday through, well, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And then uh, Beyond the Bible, which he does uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, then we have the Jim Price show is uh, after the Daily Dose, about 9.30 p.m. Central Time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we have the Patriot Party podcast, which has been with us for a while. And then we have the Naturally Inspired podcast. If you guys remember our guest that we've had on this show many times before, Tammy Garcia. Um, and that will be, I believe it's going to be after morning coffee is when yes. that show is going to air. And, uh, right now it's an audio version. The video version will be coming out. Um, and so that'll be streaming on our channels. We streamed the first episode today. It was really good. People loved it. Uh, and that's yeah. great. So Tammy and, and Jason, they've joined us, uh, kind of, we're all joining together and collaborating to a Patriot collective and getting the information out there to the world. And we got a lot of great other people coming on the platform. And so this is gonna be a really cool Really cool ride. Um, jumping into the UFO news. And like, yes. th there was a few things I wanted to talk about yesterday in the UFO content. And I really didn't get to it in the show. I'm like, well, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Well, the timing was really good. So I, I want to give a shout out to, um, to ER, real ER 2023 on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll kind of put this up here. So real ER uh, 2023. Thank you so much for tagging me in this. Much appreciated. And uh, Vicky Verma uh, is uh, unexplained uh, right here. So Vicky Verma, uh, unexplained 2020 is the edit editor of how and why .com. Prolific, write prolific writer. He talks a lot about UFOs, ETs, and ancient history. Um, but uh, apparently they, they saw my, uh, my uh, my segment with uh, Clayton Morris on Redacted, and he wrote an article about everything that I was saying in that segment, in particular, which was really cool. And so I didn't even know they were doing this. They didn't reach out for me for comment or anything like that. Um, and he goes on to talk a little bit about what I was talking about. 
goes in about a little bit about my background, my military background. He talks about the best thing that I like that he he mentioned in here was Hillary Clinton's emails, Charles McCullough III, stolen military technology, and how this is all interrelated, integrated. And then he brought in things that me and uh, um, Game Tech had verified and validated before we actually came out and publicly said it. Um, and this actually came out before we actually knew this information before um, the. Uh, uh, the, the big article that came out in, in June uh, right. with Lindsey Kane. And so we, we knew the same information, but we were kind of like, we all released it at the same time. And it was pretty cool. Cause I mean, it got a few connections in those, in those fields and um, nothing that I really wanted to put out there in the world, but uh, game tech kind of really pushed me to do that after we talked one night and stuff that I wouldn't even talk about here, just because, you know, you want to, you, you got, you got friends and you got people, you know, and, you know, you don't know if your information is legitimate. They tell cool stories, but they tell you don't say anything. And then you got other people, you know, are like, dude, this is real. This is really happening. And it's like, okay, but you know, wait till it comes public and then you can talk about it type of thing. But uh, that was pretty cool to be, be in that article. It's like, oh, wow, that's uh, pretty cool. I wish he reached out to me that would have been a little bit better. I would give him some better information, but anyways, pretty cool. I don't every day. I don't get articles with my mug on it sent to that's me. Pretty so. sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pop some champagne. No, I, I got a I got a Zevia soda soda. I got my Zevia. Everybody's like, that's Bud Light. It's not Bud Light, dude. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So if everybody remembers this uh quite a few months ago, um, there was this mystery surrounding the non-human mummified remains in Peru. Um, these were actually brought in front of uh the Congress in Mexico. And this produced a mass upsurge in social media where debunkers are like, they're just human body parts put together and this is all bunk and fake. Uh, well, remember call for a DNA analysis? Well, they yeah. did. <laughs> and uh, in the latest effort, Mawson brought in a team of researchers who conducted a DNA analysis um, on the figures. The results indicated 30% of the DNA is from an unknown species. Uh, Mawson emphasized the authenticity of the findings, emphasizing that they belong to a single skeleton. Even though the researchers are not sure about the origin of the remaining 70% of the alleged alien's DNA, Mawson asserted that the DNA analysis provides strong evidence that the mummies are undoubtedly not human. I wonder. Crickets out there about this. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It's not really taken off, but uh, I saw... I saw it come out today. People aren't, it's not trending, is it? Yeah. I mean, and people, well, it's not trending and people don't care. And, and it, it was on drudge report, but nobody's reporting on because they don't want to. And the reason is, is because there's a major push uh, within the arrow project within Congress and Senate to squash all of this. We just found out from a whistleblower that the CIA has a recovery program, the NGO. Uh, it's a recovery program, and they're going out there recovering. Not, they've recovered nine aircrafts or craft that they of unknown origin that they've sold the defense contractors to fund their black budget. And there you go with that. Yeah. And they want to keep this on the DL. They don't want to talk about this. And, and I'll give my comments on this. I want to watch this video real quick. And, and by the way, we're going to be talking about astral travel tonight. And all of this is interconnected. And I'm going to I'm going to bring all this together. That's why we're doing the UFO updates and cool. astral travel together. So I'm going to bring all this together. But let's check out this short little video right here. 
Starbacher, Oppenheimer, oh, all those guys. We took the Manhattan Project secrecy and overlaid it on this reverse engineering program because that secrecy worked well for atomic bomb. If you read the definition of special nuclear material in the Public Atomic Energy Act of 1954, it basically states any material that releases any kind of atomic energy. If something is not a nuke, but it has radiological energy coming off it, same secrecy. According to Grush, there's like a whole other side of the Manhattan Project. Blue Book was the first Air Force's official program tasked with investigating UFOs, but it was basically a propaganda mouthpiece for the Air Force, downplaying the phenomena for the public. Grush said that there might have been a real deeper program than Blue Book studying UFOs very tied in with the Manhattan Project. Jacques Vallée said the same thing. The Manhattan Project would have custody of it, and then it would go into the Atomic Energy Commission, and then it would go into the Department of Energy. But where were these top-secret UFO programs taking place? In 1978, Jesse Marcel said that the Roswell weather balloon story was all just a cover-up, and that the crash debris was alien tech with bizarre hieroglyphics and malleable memory metal. According to him, the materials were eventually taken to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, where just a few years earlier, the base was used to successfully reverse-engineer a German pulse jet engine. When prominent elected government representatives would ask what was going on at Wright-Patterson, they would get shut down. It didn't matter who they were. Senators, presidential candidates, even presidents. If you didn't have a need to know, you were on the outside. I called Curtis LeMay and I said, General, uh, I know we have a room at Wright-Patterson where you put all this secret stuff. Can I go in there? I've never heard him get mad, but he got madder than hell at me. Cussed me out, said, don't ever ask me that question. All right. The secrecy of the UFO topic is is very, very deep. It goes much, much deeper than we could probably understand. Um, the, the fact that they're saying that there's a connection to the UFO conspiracy in the Manhattan Project. This is quite interesting because this is kind of not like, it's not a commonly known thing or talked about thing within the realms of the UFO um, conspiracy world. Nobody's really, you know, they always talked a little bit about the Manhattan Project and the kind of scientists from that, that potentially they worked on these projects, but there's never really any evidence of that. But we do have one piece of evidence of that. And that comes about from a guy by the name of Edward Teller. And so Edward Teller um, is, if you don't know who Edward Teller is, Hungarian-American theoretical physicist known quickly as the father of the hydrogen bomb and one of the creators of the Teller-Ulam design. Teller was known for his scientific ability and his difficult interpersonal relationships and um, volatile personalities. Um, he was a member of the Manhattan Project. Now, he died in 2003, born in 1908, died in 2003. Um, he was a member of the Manhattan Project, um, and he helped build the atom bomb. Now, here's the thing. Bob Lazar, who was working at Los Alamos National Laboratories um, in the 1980s, when he built his rocket car, it made the newspaper, and he went to uh, see Edward Teller talk and he said he was outside before and in walks edward teller comes up to him and says i just read this article about you developing a rocket car he goes if you're ever interested in a job give me a call and he said that it was edward teller who got him in with eg and g years later that got him over the area 51 and so there you go is your connection directly to the Manhattan Project expanding into Area 51. And, and it's kind of a cool connection, too. Um, but there's a there's a whole operation right now, the squash 
all of this. Now, one interesting phenomena that I've noticed um, is we talked about the Gateway Experience. And the Gateway Experience is uh, the Gateway Project. The CIA op, uh, ran through the Monroe Institute in the 1970s and 1980s. This evolved into uh, Project Stargate, which was a remote viewing with uh, Russell Targ and uh, Hugh uh, 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 Hal put off uh, out of Princeton with SRI and them developing basically scientifically based techniques to go out there and produce military uh, psychic spies. Um, but the gateway experience went and delved more into the state of consciousness and what consciousness was. The question really comes about is why were the Russians and the Americans in the 1970s so interested in the study of consciousness well, what preceded that? Well, the 1950s and the 1960s, you have the LSD test. You mm. have the CIA acid test, that's, which oh, yeah. brings about the level of increased awareness and expanded mm. consciousness. And so they start to realize that there's something more to all of this. But I think that all of that testing really derived from the recovery of a lot of these craft that happened in the 1930s to the 1940s. And the reason being is because these craft are not controlled through physical steering wheels and gadgets. Uh, everybody who's ever came out as a whistleblower who has any level of legitimacy always talks about how when you go inside these things, it's smooth, metal, all one piece, like it's crafted from the same thing, okay? And there's yeah. no buttons. There's nothing to interact with. Everything is holographic and interacts with your mind. No clutch. No clutch. And so when we extrapolate that, that means that in order to basically understand this technology and integrate with this technology is you would have to have a high mental capacity and awareness in order to understand, in order to integrate with those types of technology. So therefore that conscious experience, the consciousness expansion and the research into consciousness to discover and understand what it truly is needed to happen. And this happened for about a 30 year period, 1950s, 60s, and the seventies. And this culminated with obviously the, um, um, the Gateway Experience, the Monroe Institute, which Robert Monroe, uh, he consulted with the CIA up until the 90s, until his death. Um, but in the 1980s, this is where it gets interesting because you have this branch off of remote viewing. And I posted uh, um, Edward Reardon's video the other day of the, the stuff when he was talking about Q-Star and all this stuff. Yeah. And a lot of people out there and even Mick West and all these people are like, oh, remote viewing just hogwash. It's nothing more than chance and probability. And I went back and I said, then why would the U.S. military invest over 30 years into a program that didn't work? Like, I, I want you to understand that. The United States military and intelligence organizations are not going to put millions or billions of dollars into a project over a 30-year period that has zero results greater than chance. That has no right. significance whatsoever. I, I, I was the military, incredibly wasteful, but they're not that stupid and they're not that wasteful. And the money wasn't being allocated elsewhere because we know Lynn Buchanan, a friend of ours, is one of the people who were members and a trainer in this. Okay. Yes. So, you know, you got to use that level of logic hypercritical analysis when you look at these types of things and understand that 
you know, remote viewing, psychic, that's all hogwash. It's not real. Oh, really? Then why did the Russians and the Americans have classified reports that show that they studied it for well over three decades? Well, then they say, well, but they stopped. They stopped doing it. No, they didn't stop doing it. They stopped telling you, or all we know in the sense of the level of classification is that they stopped it in 30, uh, 30 years ago. It doesn't mean they stopped doing it. It means that yeah. it's under a new level of classification that hasn't been declassified yeah. yet. They changed it. Yeah, they changed it, integrated into a new program, and now they had because they had to release these documents. Like people don't logically think through those types of things. So kind of interesting. Now, this is where we segue. So what is astral travel? What is the astral realm? What is the astral world? How does this come into play with a lot of this stuff? So people who have experienced astral travel have talked about meeting various different entities and beings and you know people in the religious field will say these are demons or angels uh you know people yes. who've had near-death experiences have had holy type of events where they've met past family members and and jesus or brahma or whoever it might be um and and i'm not one to discount anybody's single experience sure and we have the near-death experiences where they see the light and different meet different people and beings as well exactly so what we do know is that the phenomena exists. And I was, I was kind of thinking about how to discuss this because I always imagine myself having discussions with people who are on the opposite view, right? And this is how I really fortify my my intelligence on topics. You debate so yourself? I debate, yeah, I debate, I debate myself. And I try to conjure up the understanding of someone else's mental perspective on a, a situation. So in the sense of the UFO phenomena, um, if I was discussing with Michael Shermer from Skeptics Magazine, and he's like, oh, it's all hogwash. There's no such thing as UFOs. All the reports have shown this. And I would say then, okay, Michael, since the 1930s and the 1940s, we have documented reports that the United States government and military has had open investigations into unidentified aerial phenomena. Do you agree with that? can't disagree with that he would say well yes the thing that we know about this is that they're unidentified because they do not know what they are is that correct yes are there things that have been tracked on radar things that have been tracked on camera infrared through satellite imagery that the u.s military u.s intelligence agencies and u.s government does not know what it is yes allegedly does that equate to an unidentified flying object or a unidentified aerial phenomenon? Yes, it does. Yes. So therefore they exist. What they are is a completely different conversation, but these people will come out and they will make blanket statements saying, Oh, it's all hogwash. We've already disproven that. That doesn't exist. You can't make a blanket statement towards this. You have to be logically correct. Not producing fallacies within your blanket statements. The fact is, is that there is aerial phenomena. There is phenomena that happens on this planet that is unexplained, that nobody has any logical rationalization of what it is or what is happening. For instance, last night I go outside. I look up into the sky. I'm trying to see the Northern Lights. And I see this long string 
of stars just flying by. You remember, remember uh, Star Lake used to be this long? Now it's like this long. It's like 50, 60 satellites. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I run inside and grab my kids. I'm like, get out of here, get out of here. I'm like, look, Starlink. They're like, oh, cool. I'm like, dude, look at that. Isn't that so cool? Like, you know, a kid from the 90s, like, that's freaking awesome. Like, yeah, how far we go. Us, man. Ooh, ah. Yeah, yeah, dude. I did, I did this. I did this. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> it trips it, me out. It's awesome. But my kids are like, it's the satellite, man. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Like, today, yeah. I was out in the backyard and I hear, I'm like, the fuck? Freaking out. My dogs are barking. I'm looking around. I'm like, what the hell is that? It sounds like someone's exploding something and the explosion's going away. It's, I'm like, what the fuck? And I look up and not even 200 feet above my head is a hot air balloon. Oh, wow. Like cool. flying, yeah, 200 feet in the air. Boom right there massive i'm like oh my god are they gonna crash but they're going in for a landing over my house and well like, that's how they land they crash that's yeah. just why i won't like, balloon. that's so cool <laughs> but what was that those so starlink for instance yeah you take a tribe in the middle of the amazon or in the middle of uh you know africa that has never experienced human culture or society in modern technological age when they look up in the sky and they see Starlink and they have no comprehension of what Starlink is, what do they begin to do? They begin to derive stories pertaining to the great serpent that flies through the skies nightly and brings about the sun. The sun and the serpent chase each other. Right after the sun sets and goes down, the big sun beast goes down, the fire goes down, the dragon always follows. Yeah. Right? They don't know what that is. To them, that's unknown. That's unknown phenomenon. And that's how they will relate it within their culture. For me, I hear this loud noise. I start freaking out. I think it's an explosion. I don't know if someone's house is going to blow up. I'm getting all, whoa, what's going on here? When in actuality, it was something that was easily identifiable. But one perception did not know what it was. The other perception wasn't tuned in to see what it was. Hmm. And so with a lot of this UFO phenomena, a lot of things that have been brought into about it is interdimensionality, is that there's a lot of uh, uh, UFO footage out there talking about frame rate settings on cameras and even phase transition of color transition shifts of cameras. And you can start to see various different objects within these frame rates and cameras. There is uh, quite a few that did like, uh, because you got, you got cameras out there now that can do, you know, a million frames bleep, like that. And they're catching objects in the sky. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're catching objects in the sky. They're catching objects in just regular pictures. They'll be taking a picture of a family and they're catching uh, objects. Amazing. Yeah. That would otherwise be invisible, I presume. Right. It would otherwise be invisible. So, about 10 years ago, I'm forgetting the guy's name. I wish I had it. Um, a gentleman decided to go outside and start taking his night vision goggles and attaching them to his camera and putting that out in the uh, in the sky and, and seeing what's happened. He wasn't even looking for UFOs or anything like that. He was trying to see if he could see satellites and stuff. Now, what he started seeing 
was not satellites. He started seeing massive spacecraft, like something out of Star Wars or Star Trek, like space stations and stuff out there. And he was on Coast to Coast AM, and he's like, I urge anybody, if you don't believe me, go out there. This is the adapter I use. This is the I'm using this DSLR. I got this night vision adapter. Just go point it at any place in the sky, and you will see. And sure enough, people all over the internet started putting all this stuff out. And there's tons of footage out there that you can find of it, right? But now we're seeing that if we begin to change our perspective, we begin to change the way we observe things. If we do not observe things in the standard perceptional view through our sight, through our touch, through our smell, and through our, our sight, which only observes 1% of 1% of the electromagnetic spectrum, then we begin to see much, much more. And see, I think this was the revelation that they had within the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s within the government, is they understood that consciousness was that key, that if you have a golf ball size consciousness, you're going to have a golf ball size awareness. And a golf ball size awareness is going to give you a golf ball size perception of the world. If you increase that consciousness, more awareness, more perception of the world. And that's why they had the LSD trials, MK Ultra. That's why they went into the gateway ex experience, went into remote viewing and other types of, of uh, studies that they did within the military and the intelligence communities, because they understood that that opens us up to this higher level of technology that seems to be technologically as well as consciously integrated together. Now, what is yeah. astral travel? Mm -hmm. Now, many people talk about astral travel very similar to lucid dreaming. Okay, astral travel is not lucid dreaming. We have many people in our audience that lucid dream. That is being inside your dream and being aware that you are dreaming and being able to control your dream to a certain level and degree. You have shamanic journeys and visions. These are usually guided, usually with some type of psychotropic drug. And uh, these are things like DMT, mescaline, psilocybin, LSD, to where you're, you're guided through these processes. That is not astral travel, okay? Hmm. Um, you have deep states of transcendent meditation. That's not astral travel. What can lead to astral travel? Astral travel is this process that it's been discovered. It's been talked about um, in e Egyptian mythology. There are hieroglyphs on various different artifacts in ancient Egypt that actually get processes of how to leave the body. Um, mm. Many occult and esoteric philosophies have talked about and derived processes that do exactly this. It's actually a very simple and easy process that I'll discuss here in a little while if, if anybody ever wants to try it. Um, there's nothing mm. evil or demonic about it um nobody can come in and snatch your body away from you and become a sit-in in your body all of that stuff it doesn't work like that and i can go into the science of that and why that's not really true but astral travel is the ability for us to kind of detach the mind from the body and experience the world in a different perceptional realm and I actually was thinking about this earlier and I'm like, I, I had this great quote and you know, like when you, I was in the shower and I'm before the show and I'm like, Oh my God. And like, I'm all wet. And I'm like, I like drying my hands off and getting the towel all wet in the shower and grabbing my phone in the shower. And I'm like trying to type and it's all wet. And it's, I'm like, oh, I'm going to forget the quote, but yeah. 
the first thing that we have to understand before we get into astral travel, and really that's what it is, is you're you're tethered to your body, but you're in within your mind and your mind has form, but your mind form is experiencing the world in its kind of interdimensional perspective. It's a non-physical and non-energetic world. It's kind of in-between worlds is how a lot of people describe this. And so the first thing that we have to understand is we have to understand what is this? What, what are, what is the meat suit? What's the meat suit, right? What, what is the meat suit, Vince? What what is your thoughts? What, what is the meat suit, Vince? Um, lost for words. He's lost for words. I'm a, yeah, I am at a loss for words. I'm not okay. sure, man. It's a mystery to me, I'll be honest. I mean, well, it's, it's your body. It's physical. Sure. Right? Last night on the the after uh, the after uh, Thursday night Q&A. Yes. I was talking about Grandmaster Wolf. And yeah. uh, this guy is phenomenal. Dean Raiden and him have done a few shows together. Um, he actually is uh, someone who's practiced this stuff, telekinesis, telepathy, um, um, Eastern philosophy for 30 years. He studied in Tibet for like 20 years and went to China, Japan, Zen Buddhist. Um, and he's able to manipulate matter and create fire with his hands and move objects and all types of stuff. And he's not shy about it. And he's like, give me any scientist. I'll do it right in front of you. If you think it's magic, whatever. I can show you. You can do anything you want, any test you want. He doesn't care. He's like, here you go. But he goes, do you want to understand what telekinesis, telepathy actually is? Yeah. Okay. Now, this is what I want you to do, Vince. Everybody put your hand out in front of you. All right. Now move your hand like this. Where in your mind are you telling yourself to move your hand? Yeah, I don't know. It's not happening. I'm not in my head. I'm not saying move hand, move hand. Now we say that this is subconscious, but what we know is, is that our awareness is going to the hand to close it. Right. It is when I'm going like this, what that is, is, I am not thinking here. I'm thinking here. My awareness is in the hand Hmm. that moves the body, right? Just like if I move that awareness down to my foot, now I can move my foot. Now I can move my legs. It's almost as if we have like this psychic awareness that is inside of us that moves and animates the body. Anywhere you move in your body, You're subconsciously doing that. But what really is that subconsciousness? Is that a mental process that is boom, 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 moving the hand? Or is that a a spiritual awareness that is moving through the body that animates it? And what Grandmaster Wolf says is like, he goes, and this is a great perspective, is that I'm not me existing here, centered here, expanding outward with the universe around me. Instead, I am everything centered to this point, everything around me centered to this point right here. Vince, did you freeze up again? There you are. Okay. He goes, instead, I am everything centered to one point here, as in Uh, my consciousness and awareness is, is not segregated. It's not segmented. It's everything around me centered and culminated right here. Instead of I'm just right here and I'm separate from this. He says, therefore, this can, 
the soda can that's out here. My awareness is already within this. This is a part of my awareness. And so if it's a part of my awareness, just like a baby trying to move their fingers or move their legs, I simply have to understand how my awareness goes in there and can manipulate it. Hmm. But then we start to get into that idea of, well, what is that awareness thing? Is that what is separating from the body? Because with astral travel, we can separate from the body and we can go anywhere in the world. And so I had this quote. You ready for this one? Yeah. For yeah. all the dualists out there. Is this your we, quote? This is it. We live in two different worlds. One, a non-existent physical. Would the physical exist, uh, exist, but yet nothing in the physical is in existence. And two, a non-physical existence where everything in existence exists within the depths of mind itself. I'm going to say that again. Yeah, I don't get it. We live in two different worlds. One, a non-existent physical with the physical exists, but yet nothing in the physical is in existence. I'll explain that in a minute. And two, a non-physical existence where everything in existence exists within the depths of mind only. So the first part. So right now, our meat suit, what we are right now, this is not a single entity. This is a conglomeration, a coalescing of two things. Okay? We have mm -hmm. the, the non-existent physical, the body, the physical body. What do you mean non-existent? I will, I'll explain that in a second. Non-existent physical. And then what we have is the non-physical existence, the spirit, which we call the spirit, the soul. And those two coming together produce this thing of experience of life, of consciousness, of awareness. Okay? Hmm. So what is the non-existent physical? Okay? Now, let me ask you this. Does this pen feel anything? Does this pen does this pen have an existence inside of itself? Modern science would say, no, this, this pen has no consciousness or awareness. That it just right. has a physical existence. Where that physical existence is just, it, it just is. Right. It has no resemblance, no understanding, no conceptuality of its existence. And even if we broke things down to the molecular or to the atomic level, we begin to see this more and more. That when we break matter down to the atomic level, we begin to see that nothing is really physical and matter really isn't matter. Instead, these are fluctuations of energy. These are vibrations that are occurring within acoustic patterns and that these patterns are broken down into sub patterns and that at the very basal level below the plank length, that what we have is... Um, probabilities of fluctuations of energy that are in rhythmic sequencing, almost like musical harmonic notes that are oscillating together within the fabric of reality itself, popping in and out of existence, but in certain repetitious patterns that formulate what we know of as strings. And these strings then oscillate and resonate together in vibrational patterns that create quarks and various subatomic particles. And then those oscillate and resonate together to produce atoms and then molecules. And those molecules form and combine to produce gross matter. And then gross matter eventually comes to a point of vibration and oscillation where patterns and structures become in a, fact, a fractal sequencing. 
And that fractal sequencing derives things like proteins and amino acids. And those proteins and amino acids self-assemble themselves into things like DNA and life and single uh, single cell organisms and multicellular organisms. And then obviously human life extrapolated at the grand stage of that. At least that's what we would say. So matter itself is non-existent. Matter itself is an illusion. Matter itself is not the awareness or the mind. Matter itself is just gross matter. We found out last year with uh, the Nobel Prize in physics going to uh, two professors talking about quantum entanglement. And Mm. what they discovered was not only that quantum entanglement is real and it's a possibility and they can do it. They can do it at lengths of millions of light years. But they found out the answer to the long um, pondered Schrodinger's cat theorem. In the right. sense is if I put a cat in a box and I put uh, 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 an unknown decaying particle in there that decays into radioactive decay that eventually will kill the cat, when I put the cat in the box, is the cat alive or dead? And this brings about the uncertainty principle, the improbable characteristics of the universe and how the universe operates. It's the same thing as saying is if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Um, you have to define sound and all these different types of things. What they discovered is that the universe itself exists in a state of non-locality. This comes about with an understanding of wave-particle duality. Uh, We have two things that derive from the double slit experiment. This this is known as wave-particle duality. Is that our reality exists as one, a function of a wave, a probabilistic function of a wave, which means that there's a probability that something exists behind this wall right here. But here's the thing. Nobody is observing it and nothing is measuring it. So therefore, it doesn't actually exist. It is only in probabilistic form. And then you have everything that's in front of us, which is the collapsed wave theory, which is a particle, is that that oscillation and that resonance is brought into something that can draw meaning out of what it is. That's something that is measuring its existence and what we consider to be observing its existence. And therefore, that probability has now a reality. And so this is wave-particle duality. Well, what's interesting about that is we learned that the entire universe is like what's behind this wall. That that which is not measured and that which is not observed is in a state of improbability, of unprobability. It's in a state of non-locality. As in, if you have a loved one who's not with you right now and they're not within your observational framework, they exist in, an, uh, in a basically a probabilistic function, wave function. And your universe right now and your, what Robert Anton Wilson would say, your reality tunnel, okay? They don't exist. They're in a state of non-existence. It's state yeah. of non-locality. And here's yeah, the thing. So- is, go ahead, mm-hmm. go ahead. So that's true for anyone, right? That's true for me and all of your existences. So I wonder, though, um, you know, uh, let's say I turn my stream off. I uh, either exist or I don't. And it's most likely I am. You know, it's probabilistic that I do exist, right? What are the chances that I don't, right? Like that I just vanish in reality. Is it a very low chance? Guess what? Talking about that unknown and unusual phenomena, that kind of stuff has actually happened. 
Yeah, right. You, you ever heard of the time traveler that just like showed up? Like you heard about the time traveler in 2003 who came and he, he showed up. Um, he took $500 and made like $280 million in the stock market. I uh, had a flawless record of trades. They arrested him for insider trading. They go to do his records. They can't find any record of him anywhere in the world. They have no idea who this guy is. He claims that he's a tri- time traveler from the future and came back and just knew what stocks were going to rise and when they were going to rise. And one wow. day he just magically disappeared and they have never been able to find him since. And that's a real story. So, <clears throat> you know, there's stuff like that that does happen. But going back to what I mean by non-existent physical is that the physical doesn't actually exist. And the what we consider to be the physical isn't conscious. It isn't mind in action. It requires mind to be animate. That it is the coalescing, the conjoining, the merger, the relationship between the physical and the non-physical that come together that produce the animate universe. Which means that everything that we see, and by the way, what I'm talking about here is a very basal function. I'm talking about that this pen, okay, this pen has existence. The reason it has existence is because I give it meaning and existence because of mine. Remember, I'm not the center point here in a separated reality. I'm this consciousness awareness that is all around me concentrated here. So this pen has existence and the mind that operates this pen is mine or yours or theirs, which in actuality is all the same mind, right? But if we pulled the mind out of it, now it's an improperistic form of function of matter. It's non-existent. To where then we have a non-existent function of reality. And this is the ethereal. This is the spirit. This is the soul, if we want to talk about that. Okay? And yeah, many people have experienced this. And within astral travel, what many people believe are happening is that dualism is separating. Okay. Is that a portion of that non-existent mind is separating from the body and traversing the realm of the world that is equivalent to its vibration, its energy. Hmm. Because if the whole world is exactly the same, a animation of mind and matter's convergence, then the separation of those realms would show the truth of that. And that's what astral travel really is. And so when we start to get into this, and I love this, this idea too, because this opens up so many doors of possibility and understanding for reality itself. When you begin to understand that you can astral travel, you can separate your, your spiritual being, and you're not really separating. What you're doing is you're extending. If my existence is not centered here and then separate from reality, but instead, if my soul, my consciousness is the entirety of the universe concentrated at this point, then right. astral travel is simply that awareness just moving to the other side of the room without the body. Yeah. Mm, makes a little bit more sense now. But here's the thing is the mind can do it instantaneously and go anywhere it wants. It can go to the Eiffel Tower. It can go to the Grand Canyon. It can go to California. Okay? Yeah, let's go. Now, How do we do have, it? Have you ever had an, an astral travel? I don't think experience? so. I have. How do you do it? How do you do it? So 
when I was 14 years of age, I, and people know my stories with LSD and everything like that. I've done I've done a lot of drugs when I was a teenager. Um, and I did a lot of meditation. I was in martial arts. And one thing that I wanted to try to do was get become a really good meditator to learn how to do all this mystical stuff and magic and all that stuff. Um, one day I came across, you know, those, you know, like everybody's got books and you got like those little rectangle books, like this big with the thick paperbacks, you know, like those old thick paperbacks that like, look like this. They look like this. They're like the thick paperbacks like this. Right. And they're just like, you don't, you don't want to read them because they're all thick. And you're like, that's a lot of pages. I was like 14 years of age. And, uh, my brother, John, my oldest brother was into this stuff, was into uh-huh. kind of meditation and stuff. And he had this book, which I didn't know what it was at the time. And I picked it up and I started reading it. And within the first chapter, it had a meditation. And really, it's not a meditation. It's a visualization. Well, it turns out the book was um, um, uh, Journey Out of the Body by Robert Malone or Robert Monroe from the Monroe Institute. But basically the way Robert Monroe talks about this is that you, you lay down flat on your back. Okay. And what you do is you, you, for everybody out there who's never had an out-of-body experience and you want to have one, I highly recommend doing what I'm about to tell you to do. Try this and then let me know your, give me your feedback. Okay. Lay down on your back, stay awake. You want to stay consciously aware of everything that's happening. You want to breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Okay. But this is what I want you to do. Just a little bit different. It's called conscious breathing. And this is something that you learn in various Eastern philosophies. It's when you breathe in through your nose, the visualize, visualize the breath going through your body. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's going front of the heart, lungs, through the solar plexus, or sorry, going back down the spine through the solar plexus coming out the stomach around the pelvis up the back of the spine back up and out okay so what you want the breath to do is you want the breath to do a figure eight okay like that so you want the breath to come in down up and around you want it to loop around now in um Taoism, this is your lower your mid and your upper dantian these are your three energy points mm. in acupuncture. These are your main energy points in chakra systems. This is your mm-hmm. sacral. This is yeah, your, your root chakra, your, your um, solar plexus, your heart, your throat, and your third eye. And you're focusing on the three primaries. Okay. Mm-hmm. And these are actually major glandular systems in the body. But as you do this breathing, it's very similar to what's known as holotropic breathing. Okay? okay. But that is usually a little bit faster. Like, <laughs> we're not doing Lama's class here. This is very controlled, relaxing breath work, but it's controlled breath work. And what you're doing, by the way, is you're visualizing it and your awareness follows the breath. So you allow oh. your awareness when it goes in. Feel your awareness going down and around, coming up, and you do that figure eight pattern. At the same time that that's going on, what you imagine is you imagine your toes becoming incredibly relaxed. Just relaxation, like allowing the sensation to just fall away from your toes, from your feet, from your ankles, from your calves, 
from your knees and you just keep on doing that breathing well everything begins to fall away in the sense of sensation from those body parts by the time you get to your chest and neck level <laughs> you're gonna know something's different hmm. i guarantee you you'll be like you you'll probably some people get scared like, cause you, you, cause you begin to fall, you begin to fall out of consciousness. Consciousness begins to recess. And the objective is to stay awake during that process. But during that process, as the body begins to uh, fall away from sensation and consciousness, this is where your mind jumps in with intentionality. And what you're doing is you, you you put a place in your mind of where you want to go. Okay. So the Eiffel Tower, the Grand Canyon, uh, your garden, uh, the grocery store, your friend's house, uh, anywhere. You imagine in your mind a place that you want to go. And then within a moment's notice, you won't even notice it. You're there. And you're walking around and you're like, oh my God. Is it like the same time though? Like if I did this tonight and I went to my favorite fishing spot, would it be nighttime over there? Yes. So, so astral travel is definitely like that. Um, some people have had experiences where they've done, um, uh, kind of nonlinear timeframes where they've gone future past. Um, it's great for information because you can, you can talk to different things in there and get information. You can, there's things called like the Akashic records, which you can access when you're in there. Um, you can have profound conscious experiences when you're in there. Um, and these are all just look at them as different levels like different doorways that you can go in through with conscious vibration. But when you're in this regular realm, it's real time. And this is why people who have out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences, they can float above their body and they can see the doctors working on them. They can hear everything that they're saying. Okay. With astral travel, it's exactly the same. You can, you can project yourself to your buddy's house. You can sit there and watch them play a game and get home, go back in your body and be like, dude, you were just playing charades and man, you should have known that that was a hard Simpson or whatever. Right. Yeah. I want to try this. That is exactly. Yeah. And so people like, well, is there anything I need to be careful with? Like, can I, can I find, you know, demonic beings or anything like that? So, one thing you have to understand is yeah. that there is the non-physical existence where everything in existence exists within the depths of only mind. And so the mind, look at the mind like a functional magnet, okay? okay. Where, where the intention of the mind draws in, right? So that's why if you think of a place, the mind, boom goes down. right so right don't so you tell yourself not demon boom, here goes right demon. that's scary because if you tell yourself not to think about a demon or don't think yeah. about a scary you clown, think about hell boom low vibration if, you, if you're telling yourself don't think about something scary you're gonna think about something scary i've had nightmares like that where i'm like don't think of something scary don't think of this scary thing and then i scare the shit out of myself now think about people with out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences they go through a near-death experience the body comes to the realization, the subconscious comes to the realization, shit, I'm dying. Expectation is what? God, heaven, devil, Satan, all this stuff. People have some type of holy experience, they come back. And so then the question comes, is that realm 
a realm of actual existent reality. And the question and the answer is yes and no, but no and yes. So I had this out of body experience one day and I did mine in a chair sitting down and I actually had um, right here. I, I, I still have CDs. What was your voyage, intention and where did voyage you go? Voyage to the other side. Okay. Voyage to the other side. Meta music. This is Monroe Institute. Hemisync technology. Yeah. This will get you there. This one right here will get you there. So what was um, your intention going into it? Hold on. Let me see. Hold on. Um, I got more. The shaman's heart. That's another one. The shaman's heart. Same thing. Meta music. That'll get you there. Okay. That stuff will do it fast, especially with that process that I just talked about. Um, my intention when I was doing it, um, my original intention was to learn knowledge and information uh, about human existence, about the mind, about consciousness, about reality. My intention was to learn um, the secrets of the world and the universe, magic, these types of things, and have where'd a you, spiritual experience. Where'd you decide to go? Well, I was so interesting enough. I worked the uh, um, the overnight shift as a nine one one operator. After I got injured, I got taken off of uh, military police duties, and I got brought in. And, I always um, considered doing that. And there was like nothing Dispatch. happening. Like it's on a three base, and there's just like we we maybe have one call that whole night, and there's four operators. So I would just put on my head my headset. I'd put my CD on, and I'd sit there, and um, I relaxed the feet. And it goes up the, the ankles, into the calves, into the knees. And it got to this part right here. Next thing I know is I open my eyes, okay? And I actually should say I open my eye and I'm like bouncing inside my skull. Like I can feel myself like inside the body, like bouncing. But here's the interesting thing. Like I had my head against the headrest and I can see everything within my peripheral clear as day. I can see all around the room, but it's completely normal. It's like, it's like being able to see the whole room in 360 degrees yeah. and it not being weird. But it just being like very casual. Yeah, it, it was really, but here's the problem is that that was happening and I'm like, what the hell? And you hear this incredibly loud like a space heater in your ear just reverberating I wonder what that is but not only is it in your ear your whole body is humming that sound can and you so, hear your heartbeat um no recollection of heartbeat or anything like that um so the bifurcation beat no i don't hear my bifurcation beat um which is what you bump, bump, bump. that's your bifurcation beat um, but what I did feel the sensation, and this is a sensation that people feel during sleep paralysis, when your body is asleep is you get this tingling sensation all through your body and your body is humming. Hmm. And if you wake up in that sensation, it scares the shit out of you. But I, I understood what it was and I'm sitting there and I'm like bouncing inside my body. And then I remembered intention and I go wall, wall in front of me. And next thing I know, I'm like walking through the wall and I walk through the wall and, it, and on the other side of the room is this hallway and it's kind of like, it's, it's a wide hallway and it opens up to another area. 
but I go in there and it's very kind of like, um, uh, it's like the upside down in stranger things, not like dark and gloomy, but more like blue grayish, like, um, blue gray kind of hazy, like nighttime matrix style, right? Like kind of that. And there's, there's what perceives to be people everywhere. And I'm like, who are all of you? And, and one, one guy stops and he's like, you must be new here. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, enjoy yourself. And he just walks by and I'm like, what the hell is this? And I kind of, it was, it's kind of weird. Uh, do you remember like uh, the movie contact with Jodie Foster? Okay. Everybody in the audience should know that. Sorry. Um, she's in this device and she's traveling through a wormhole and it's like, whoosh, whoosh, boom, mm-hmm. right. With no emotion, no, no inertia, no momentum. Ah. And uh, so then I think um, God, I think I want to meet God, right? God. And next thing I know, it's like, boom, and I'm standing on, and dude, I can see this clear as day in my head right now. Okay. I'm standing on this rocky ridge of this mountaintop. And it's kind of like a, a, a rock ridge that hangs over like this. <laughs> like in Lion King? Yeah. Pride Rock? Yeah. It, and I've never seen Lion King, by the way. It, okay. It's like, okay, so it's like Pride Rock. Okay, and you've I'm never standing. seen Lion King, so I get a free pass on that one. You do. <laughs> so I'm standing yeah, yeah. on it, but uh-huh. there's, all it is is space and stars and galaxies. Interesting. And it's like defined high definition. And mm. it's just, just the extrapolation of the heavens in front of you and below you, everywhere around you. And I'm just like on this extended arm of this and I'm just like, whoa, right? And I'm like having this, this take in and there's a sensation that comes over me looking at the stars and looking at the twinkle of the light and seeing the great expanse and abyss of the universe. The thought process that was going in my mind was kind of like, it was just immense gratitude. Like I wanted to like, like it was felt like I was crying on the inside with gratitude that, wow, we exist. I, I just, there's nothing more like we exist. Like understanding the idea that we actually exist. Holy wow. shit. That's a revelation. And like it all compounded. And, um, you know, I'm like, oh, I, you know, I like God, I want to experience God. And I realized that I was, that I was experiencing it right there. That that immense gratitude that I have, the immense gratitude of exist, of the realization I exist. That was it. And so then I'm like, okay, knowledge, information, right? And it was like, almost like communicating with God with just mind back and forth with thought. And I, this, everybody's heard this story before that I start thinking is, uh, um, what to ask. Yeah. You're in the greatness of, of the great expanse in God. What do you ask? And I had no questions. You know, 
Yeah. And I had no questions, Vince, because I realized that in that state, you, you know everything. And if you know everything, there are no questions to ask. And since you know everything and there's no questions to ask, then you know nothing. And it's that full loop circle. That, I've had a similar experience. Yeah. But then it makes you love and respect and have immense gratitude for curiosity and imagination and life and the segregation of consciousness of how it individualizes and centralizes itself and individual beings, because that is how the creative mechanism actually works and functions in the universe. Because if it was all one central point, one, one thing, it knows nothing. It can't know anything because it knows everything. And so therefore there is nothing to know. And so therefore it brings about that meaning of what this is of what this experience is. It is to learn. It is to grow. It is to expand. It is to understand. That's what the, and this is, this is the profound spiritual experience that I had during this time in my twenties. I was 27 years old when this happened. And this has led me on my course to who I am today. And um, it wasn't the only, and it wasn't the last. And, um, but that is the most profound. And it was interesting enough. I met a, uh, what the hell? Interestingly enough, I met a woman, um, friend, just a business friend, uh, very liberal, Joe Biden supporter, yes, uh, who was a lesbian who wanted to, uh, she was like dedicated her life to obtaining enlightenment. I'm like, awesome, right? And we started talking. And I go, I said, have you ever obtained samadhi? And samadhi would be the state that we're talking about. And you can get there through astral travel and through these types of things because that's really what they're doing. Um, she goes, sorry. yes. I missed, goes, I missed what she wanted to do. I'm sorry about that. Oh, she, she wanted to attain enlightenment. And I asked okay. her if she had ever obtained samadhi. And samadhi is a state that a lot of mystics obtain, this heightened state of awareness and consciousness where that state of enlightened feeling comes about from. Gotcha. And uh, she goes, yes, I have. And I go, really? I said, what did it feel like? What did you experience? She goes, I felt immense gratitude for being as if I was embraced and in, in the arms of the creator himself to where I knew everything. And so therefore there is no questions to ask. And at that point I realized the plight of the creator, that the creator knows nothing of its own existence, nothing of its own creation because it knows everything. And so therefore it knows nothing. And I go, oh my God. And we, like, I started freaking out and I told her this story and she's like, oh my God. And I'm like, profound, very profound. And so like, it, it gives you this deeper relevance of life, this under, deeper understanding of life. And I'll tell you, so ever since that time, every time I go out and look at the stars in the sky, just, I get this deep, deep, like heart pulsing gratitude that just emanates from me that's like we exist it's like in the movie contact when jodie foster goes over this planet she stops she goes they're alive she's looking at another alien civilization she's like, they're alive and it's like we exist and, and and i don't think people really understand my mental process when that happens or even 
what that those two simple words of how profound they are. We're doing okay? our best. Well, no, I, I, I know what you mean. Right. Is that if you take the scientific, uh, mechanistic, material approach to the universe, it's profound. Like, whoa, we actually exist in this propolistic conundrum. But then on the other spiritual side, it's even more profound that we exist. Because if you understand modern science, you understand modern uh, cosmology, and you understand modern philosophy and modern, uh, you know, uh, religion. The idea that we actually exist is so absolutely profound because here's the thing can you imagine non-existence no i don't think so which means that the universe could never have been in a state of non-existence it can't non-existence does not exist (laughs) it cannot exist which means that everything has always existed Everything has always been. You have always been. How do we know that? Because you cannot exist in a state of non-existence because non-existence has never existed. And then understanding that, that you exist and you've always existed and you will always exist, that you can never be in a state of non-existence. That's profound. Wow. Yeah, man. Woo! Got a little off topic. No, it, I, no it's I, a love it. I, I love it. It's a great conversation. What, what are your thoughts? I don't know, but we got a comment. CK Ultra Magaforce says, I have floated through my vascular system. And That's I've heard things cool. like that before. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. You can so when you're in a heightened relaxed state, I call it heightened relaxed state. So heightened mental acuity, relaxed physical body awareness, right? Take your awareness and move it. So when you lay down and you're doing that breathing, one exercise to do is imagine your awareness, not your eyes looking through your feet. When I say this, we're not saying take your eyes and look through your feet. Okay, your your mind can't comprehend that, but take your awareness to your foot. Now, what does that mean? Move your toes. That's your awareness in your feet. So take that sensation, pre-movement, latch on to that sensation of that awareness of your foot, right? Like right now, Vince, what I want you to do is take your awareness to your left Big toe. Do you feel it? Feel the left big toe pulsate. Okay. Okay. Tell me when you start feeling your left big toe pulsate. Pulsate? Yep. I don't know. So take that, take your awareness. Take it from here. Move it down. Imagine, visualize it moving in down, moving down the leg. Moving down the shin or the calf, down the ankle, by the heel, through the arch, to your big toe. 
okay? Imagine it right there at the bottom of the toe, okay? Now, just put your visualization in that area. Don't think about seeing from there, speaking from there, feeling from there. Just put your awareness there, okay? Mm -hmm. Then my awareness is on my foot. And now what I want you to do is I want you to feel your heart beat in your toe. I don't know, man. I have, I have kind of a migraine right now. I'm having a hard time. Okay. Well, for other people out there who are doing it, if you're relaxed in a, in a, a relaxed state, what I want you to do is move your awareness down to that point and you'll feel your heartbeat in that single area. And it'll be like, boom, 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 boom. and you only feel it in your big toe. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's getting your awareness to that point and becoming aware of the functions of that area. Okay. For me, I can feel all the blood going to my big toe right now, all the way up my, my leg, my femur to my heart. I can feel that whole, like that person going through his vascular system right now, just in a, in a really relaxed state. I can just, I, I can enter them pretty easily. There it is. I can feel that whole flow of blood. I can feel the warmth, the flush. I can feel the movement and I feel the pulsation in my toe. Okay. And so for people who want to do more of this on Sundays, we're going to be doing a prayer and meditation group where we'll guide you through this process. And that is on the social red pill, socialredpill.com. Uh, we do the, we're going to be starting to do these sessions. I think it's at like three, four thirty Eastern time. I believe it's when it's scheduled for on Sundays. So if you're interested in that, please join up to socialredpill.com. I believe it's in a silver subscription for that because it, we have to, we have people that are actually coming in that reserve their time to do that. Um, so I think it's a silver subscription, but try it out. So right now my whole foot, boom, 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 and I can move that all up my leg. I can get my whole leg pulsating. Okay. Hmm. So, it's all about that control of that functionality. Now there's people out there who've learned the situs and they the can base the CD, the situs, the situs are various different skills of these realms of attention and awareness. Okay. Like mm-hmm. grandmaster wolf. Now these guys, they can change their heart rate like that just by thinking about it. They can go to uh, 220 beats a second, down to 80, instantaneously. Right. They can they they can increase the oxygen content in their in their blood. Yes. They can. Uh, I think uh, what's his name? Um, Wim Hof. The the California guru guy uh, who really started the whole new age movement, who was a medical doctor, um, Deepak Chopra. He talks about this story and he's, he's a trained medical doctor in India. He talks about this story when they were in India and yeah. he was volunteering in this small village and this child needed the surgery. And the doctor was trying to bring the heart rate down of the child and the kid's heart rate was just erratic. Yes. And uh, the, the one, uh, the old Hermit guy came over and was like, do you need some help? And he's like, yeah, I need you to help. Uh, can you help me bring his heart rate down? And he goes, yes, I can. And he grabs the kid's hand. 
And all of a sudden, the heart rate just boom. He goes, where do you want yeah. it at? He's like, 80 beats, a, 80 beats a minute. It's okay. And he held him there for the whole surgery. That happens with people and their cats, too. Yep. Cats can do that to you. Right. Right? It's so yeah. trippy. But they can control um, their whole autonomous nervous system. They can have pain in the hand and not feel the pain because they can shut it off. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, Baba Moharaji. This is uh, Ramdas. If anybody remembers uh, Richard Elpert, Dr. Richard Elpert, and his guru named Ramdas, or his guru named uh, Baba, uh, Baja, Baba Maharaji, which was the patron grand saint of India. Um, Richard Elpert was um, a professor at Harvard, or sorry, at Yale. And the office right next to him was a broom closet. But someone had made it their office. Well, that yeah. person was Timothy Leary. And Timothy Leary was a psychologist who dealt in LSD and cocaine and all different types of drugs. And him and Richard Elpert became friends. And Richard Elpert was not that type of person. They eventually basically started the whole hippie movement of the 1960s and the LSD test. And Richard Elpert and a whole bunch of group of people, they ended up going to Kathmandu and Tibet and India and, and, and learning the, the ways of Eastern philosophy. And so a lot of the reason why you have yoga classes on every block is because of Ram Dass, Richard Elpert, going to India and bringing a lot of that over here. Um, but he, he talks about his experiences and he was a really big acid head, a, a psychonaut. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about this one time, um, uh, that he was going to meet Baba Madaraji for the first time. And he said that they had been to India multiple times. They had talked to multiple different, uh, Sidhus and multiple different gurus and different people. And nobody ever really clicked with them. And they finally found this person and they took him to Nepal and they're going up in the mountains and it was like yeah. a three-day journey. And uh, he felt that this time it was going to be different. And it was the, the second day in the journey, and they had stopped on this, this uh, mountaintop. And, and he was sitting there, and he was looking at the stars at night, and he was thinking about his mother who had just died of, uh, I believe, of liver cancer. Yeah. And he was just remembering how much he loved his mother and, and all this. And then mm-hmm. they began the journey the next day, and the next day he comes in, and there's this – this elderly old man with beard and stinky feet and bare, bare feet and laying down with people feeding him grapes. And uh, everybody walks up to him that's on the journey and they begin kissing the guy's feet. And Richard Elpert is describing this. Ram Dass is describing this. Like, I'm this, sorry, he's a Harvard. I'm this Harvard professor, Ivy League educated. You know, and he goes, I'm not going to kneel down and kiss this guy's feet. Because right. I had more integrity for myself. Mm-hmm. And he says, was at that moment that Baba Maharaji looked at him and says, says, come here. He goes, you don't believe it, do you? He goes, believe what? He goes, last night you were on the mountain. You looked into the stars and you thought of your mother who has just passed away. She died because of the liver. And you thought about the good times that you had with her and the love that you had for her. He said he started crying because there's no way that Baba Maharaji could have known that. And he said from that moment, at that moment, he knew, he was convinced that this was his guru, that this was the guy. Um, There's another story that he tells that he had 
a vial of LSD that he had snuck through security and gotten to India. Um, and he takes 10 micrograms of this. So 10 micrograms is like, like five hits or 10 hits of LSD. Okay. It's like taking a 10 strip of LSD. And he, he's an experienced psychonaut, so he could take that. The whole vial was probably a thousand micrograms of LSD. And he's sitting there and he's about to take some liquid LSD and Baba Madarashi's like, what's that? This is, he, he explains it. This is like this 85, 86 year old man, elderly man who's looking at me dropping acid asking, what is that? And I try to explain to Baba Madarashi that this is a drug that expands your consciousness. And Baba Madarashi's like, let me see it. And Baba Madarashi takes the whole vial and drinks it. And Ram Dass explains it like he goes, I was afraid. Like that was more LSD than anybody in the world I know of and ever consumed. He goes, I was an experienced psychonaut and I would never have taken that much LSD. And he goes, I thought we were going to be rushing him to the hospital. He goes, a few hours later, I'm well into my LSD journey. And Baba Madaraji looks at me, smiles. Usually by this point in time with that much LSD, you should be breaking out in a sweat. He had not broken a sweat. He looks at me, smiles and winks and says, it's all inside your head. Damn. <laughs> yep. It's That's all so inside your head. And what he meant is that reality itself, everything that you're seeing. Remember, we're not the center point existing in a reality. We are that reality converging into the center point. It's all in your head. And then now you think about wave particle duality in the sense that the wave function has to collapse in order for it to manifest, which means that in order for it to be physical and real, it has to collapse through a conscious observation interacting with it, which means that when it's not collapsed, it's in a propolistic form of something that potentially could be. What is that something that could be is whatever the mind believes it to be. Which means that you truly do create your own reality. Now, and here's a good extrapolation of this. Hmm. You grew up knowing what red was simply because somebody told you what red was. The color red. Same thing yeah. with the color blue or the color green. Your perception of red and green, we know that that is an electromagnetic frequency. Okay? And that what we know of is blue is what happens is, is light is absorbed and blue frequency is reflected okay so the reason yes. you see that is because the blue is not absorbed by whatever that is and so that frequency which is considered to be blue is what you perceive to be blue but here's the thing vince define blue for me you can't define it what, what is blue you can't why not i don't know Define what a human being looks like to me, to you. Right. I guess it just depends on your perception and Oval semantics. head and hair on their head and two eyes and two ears and two arms. Yeah, but absolutely. What color are they? Well, but, but still, all what? those shapes, all those things are culturally derived meaning. They're socially accepted meaning. So how you actually perceive it to what the meaning is, in the culture actually derives it to be are two completely different things to where what I perceive to be blue could actually be red to you. 
I guess it's possible if it's not possible. It, it's quite literally 100% significant. As in what I perceive to be blue right now in my reality, my my reality tunnel is Richard Ant Wilson was saying is most likely not the same color that you perceive as blue. Not exactly. It's probably close. Probably not even close. And the reason is, is because our our brains, our minds, our convergence of the spirit and the soul and the physical body converging into this understanding of awareness are completely different. How do okay? we know that we don't see it similarly? Explain it to me. What is it? <clears throat> right, but that means that we wouldn't know if we saw it differently. It's possible, though. But I mean, there's color blindness, and I think of that it's probable, <clears throat> and that's the point of the the uh, wave particle duality is that what I perceive as the collapsing of the wave function, yes, is not what you perceive as the collapsing of the wave function. Of course not. And no. we know this because your conditioning, your education, your belief structure, is compared to mine are completely yeah. different. Oh yeah, right. Eye colors probably could Everybody. have something. brown eyes, green eyes, blue eyes probably all perceive wavelengths of light differently. Then our brain, our neural processing centers, our neurons firing in various different patterns when the receptability of that frequency comes in is not the same. No, everybody sees color a little different. I would say everything is unique, but I think and for the most part, it's probably close. I agree. It could be close. It could be completely different. It could be what you perceive to be a human being is maybe what I would perceive to be an alien. Yeah, it's interesting. Have you ever looked in the mirror and tried to see your real self? Yeah. You know the reverse mirrors? The no. The inverse mirrors that they have? <clears throat> no. Because you're always a mirror reflection. Two mirrors. A mirror yeah. mirror. How does that yeah. work? So it's like right here. You have, um, so when you there's when you're looking in the mirror, you're actually seeing the mirror reflection. So everything is reversed. Right. They have inverse mirrors where basically every nothing is reversed. Yeah, I feel like and I have done that. I don't remember with it. your mind when you look at it. It's weird. And you begin to see yourself as others see you. Yeah. I scared the shit out of myself one time with my own reflection because like I saw myself, but like kind of out of the corner of my eye mm -hmm. and I didn't recognize myself. Yep. It's kind of similar situation. I, was there some kind of device or something that would allow us to do that? Like a double mirror system or something? Yeah, I, feel they, like they I, have, I have them out there. You can buy them on Amazon, I believe. I feel like I've messed oh, with I that. think it's called like an inverted mirror or something like that. I don't know, but I've also done mushrooms and looked in the mirror, and you just look totally different. Oh, everything melts. Yeah, and you just look like your perspective's totally different. I mean, even like looking at myself in the mirror or looking at myself in the camera right now, I mean, it's weird. It's always mm -hmm. weird to me. Well, I think one of the best examples of kind of what we're talking about here right mm -hmm. now in the sense of astral projection and in this whole mind body understanding is let me see if I can find this. <laughs> uh, 
Let me see if this is the right copy. Yep, this is it. I this is one of, this is one of my favorite movies, yeah. and this is this scene right here really helps extrapolate everything we're talking about, everything that I've said. Let's watch this. This is the movie Doctor Strange. Oh. The world through a keyhole. You spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole, to see more, to know more, and now on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine. You reject the possibility. No, I reject it because I do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief. There is no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more than just another tiny momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself. Oh, you think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you. <laughs> Pushed your astral form out of your physical form. What's in that tea? Psilocybin? LSD? It's just tea. With a little honey. What just happened? For a moment, you entered the astral dimension. What? A place where the soul exists apart from the body. Why are you doing this to me? To show you just how much you don't know. Open your eyes. <laughs> of your senses at the root of existence mind and matter meet thoughts shape reality this universe is only one of an infinite number without end some benevolent and life-giving others filled with malice and hunger dark places where powers older than time lie ravenous and waiting That's Doctor Strange, guys. Maybe yeah. we'll do that on movie night on Sundays. That's another yeah, thing that we're doing for our subscription members on Social Red Pill is movie night. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe this Sunday. We'll see. So trippy. Yeah, it's awesome. So, guys, Vince and I are going to Fringe After Dark. That's the show that we do after this. And it's really just a continuation of the conversation where you get to join in 
on Zoom. So we're going to be joining a Zoom. If you're looking for what that is or where that is, socialredpill.com. And make sure you get the subscription that says uh, uh, Fringe After Dark Show. Fringe After Dark Show. Um, if you want to join in for one time, there's there's a week trial. So anytime that you join the Social Red Pill, you'll get a one-week free trial. So you can join in tonight for absolutely free with that one-week free trial. Um, when you get the Social Red Pill, you just go to the left-hand side. There's a column for groups. On the groups, you go to Fringe After Dark Show. You click on that. Inside there, there's an event. There's a Zoom. You click on the Zoom. That's where we'll be. We'll be there in about probably about 15 minutes and 15 minutes. We'll see you guys there. It was a great show. I had a great time talking. To you. Yeah, long. dude, I loved it and uh, inspired me to sit down and be mindful this weekend. Weekend. Absolutely. And don't forget also, guys, we have our guided meditation and prayers on Sunday. Uh, you can also find that group information, uh, which I believe is included with that same subscription. Um, and that's Sundays and that'll be guided. And so uh, we'll that's... have a few people guiding those this Sunday. Yeah, can't wait. I'll see you guys there. Cool. Much love, respect. God bless everybody. Take care. Talk to you guys next time.